Change is a necessity of life, and like the good doctor once said, we are all different people all through our lives. Luckily for me, however, I remain the same, and that same is, of course, the maniac Matt Tennant, ready to bring you what has been a month of change, and not just here in NXT UK, but of course across WWE entirely, with the departure of Vincent Kennedy McMahon. But before we ring in the changes, however, we all know how this works. You can find me on Twitter at BruiserMate. You can find the show on Twitter at UnionSmack, where you'll find our link tree in our bio for all the links to everywhere you can find us around the podcasting world. Go to unionsmack.bigcartel.com for all your Habiki TMD merchandise needs. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Rocky Buyer, where you can celebrate five years of the Union Smack podcast by purchasing our new logo shirt, our Union Smack Revisited shirt, and our original Union Smack garment. I'm sick of saying shirt. And then hop over to lulu.com where you can purchase copies of my books, The Undertaker, A Trip Down Death Valley, and NXT UK Year One. Now, before we start, you're probably thinking, he sounds a little bit different this week. And you're right, I do. I'm away this week, so I'm not recording from home. I am, in fact, recording from a hotel room somewhere deep in the heart of Great Britain. So that's maybe why I sound a bit echoey. Obviously, the room the room carries my voice more than my, my usual recording space at home does. So that's why. Um, but change is good. And that's what this episode is all about. Change. Now, since we talked about the best of British wrestling last month, everything seems to have changed. But none of what we're going to talk about right now in this next five or so minutes has been seen on TV as you're listening to this. So spoilers ahead, be warned. Whiz forward a few minutes if you don't want to hear the news. The news. Roll up, roll up, it's the news. Anyway, I will give you five seconds of dead air just to whiz forward. And then you can't moan at me because there are big spoilers coming. Ready? Okie doke. You still there? Good. Because we have a new NXT UK champion in Tyler Bate. Now, we'll have more on that next month when it actually happens, when the new champion is crowned. But the change was necessitated by an injury to Ilya Dragunov. Now, on the July the 7th taping, again, yet to be seen on television, Dragunov appeared to fans clad in a protective boot. Uh, and he vacated the championship. Now, little is known about the injury, apart from that he's going to be out likely the rest of the year. But I've had one of these boots myself when I broke my ankle. I was in it for six weeks, and then when it came off, I I couldn't walk for the next two or three months without the aid of crutches. So TV time-wise, we're looking at 2023 before Dragunov is back. Taping-wise, being these shows are taped sometimes a month or two in advance, we, he could be back November, December time. But I'm confident we will not see Ilya Dragunov on NXT UK TV again, at least not in a wrestling form. We may get a few promos from him, whatever, until at least January. Now, he is the first NXT UK star to relinquish the title And it is a sad situation because he's not going to get to put over the new champion as 
you know, the departing champion should. However, and this is just personally, I'm not that sad. For me, the rain was getting old. And it was it was less than a year. I think it was 318 days when he vacated on July the 7th. So it'll be an extra 30-ish days when we see it on television. Bringing it up to 348, just going over 350 possibly. Whether we see that on this week's episode or the second week of August's episode. But at 318 days when he vacated on July the 7th, He'd been doing the same thing for a long time. And I've said this a few times, actually, that his matches were, they're bangers. Don't get me wrong, he was knocking it out of the park with every performance, but they just lacked something. You just knew what was going to happen. He was going to sell the left shoulder for, for 20 minutes and then he was going to make a heroic comeback with a torpedo Moscow. Like I say, great matches, but it was starting to grow stale. For me, and personally, it's time for a change. Now, whether he comes back as a heel or goes straight up to what should be a new NXT or SmackDown by the time he returns, I hope to see a different Ilya Dragunov when he finally does heal up and decide to come back. So, get well soon, Ilya, from myself, from Travis, and come back different. We need to see a different Dragunov if you do indeed return to NXT. UK. So happy trails to you, sir. Now, lastly, I have a strong feeling that it's time to say goodbye to Ginny. The fashionista hasn't been seen on NXT UK television since January. Um, she recorded her last match in November last year. It aired in January against Amal and has since moved to America with partner Gunter slash Walter. Um, Obviously, she's showing no signs of returning. She's happy. If you follow her on Twitter, then she looks happier than I've ever seen her in or out of the ring. Not that I've ever seen her out of the ring in a weird way. You know, in the bushes with a camera. Certainly not. But I've never seen her or Gunter as happy as they appear in their Twitter pictures. So she's showing no signs of returning to NXT UK. She is still listed as an active talent on WWE.com, but I have seen more than one rumour that has it that once a a valid work visa is sorted and she shows a willing to return to the ring, then she would debut for one of the three American brands, likely SmackDown, obviously, because that's where Gunter is. However, Ginny is also an actress, so it is a possibility that she may be seeking out a full-time career in front of the camera. But whatever she decides to do, we wish her well. And it is such a shame that she was never NXT UK Women's Champion because she was tailor-made for that role. And she also had a lot of experience to lend to the women's roster. A women's roster that is growing steadily, I should say, and has a natural leader in Blair Davenport, but you know what, good for Ginny, if you make it in Hollywood, fantastic, if you make it on WWE's main roster, fantastic, all the talent in the world, wasn't properly used in NXT UK, let's hope that uh, Papa H does something with her, if she decides to step back into the ring for WWE. 
But without further ado, let's get on to why we're all here this week on the Union Smack podcast for our omnibus review of NXT UK from July 2022. And we begin on July the 7th with Tiger Taran versus Kenny Williams. Now, of course, this is a grudge match necessitated by the quest of the Scot, Kenny Williams, the lucky in, trying to find the identity of Tiger Taran. Now, they've gone in a little early on this match for me. And the identity of Tiger Taran has basically already been outed by Kenny Williams as Amir Jordan already. They even mention Amir Jordan's name several times on commentary. I wouldn't have done it this early. I'd have had Kenny Williams have a few more months of torment, maybe sneak into Tiger Taran's dressing room, try and steal his mask. But no, they've gone in. They've gone all in, actually, on it already. And sadly, I think this is going to be the end. Because this match that opened the month for NXT UK, the month of July, not mentioned again for three or four weeks. So, for me, this is probably probably the end of it. We're not going to hear of it again. And if we do, it's not going to be until mid-August. By which time, we're going to have lost interest in it. And the fire isn't going to be burning as bright shall we say. Now, match was very decent. Kenny Williams tries to charge Tiger Turan when he gets in, but Turan dodges. The artist who was known as Amir Jordan outsmarts Williams in the early going. They swap arm drags, side headlocks. Tiger Turan with a drop kick off the apron and counters a springboard axe handle with a gut chop. That looked very nice. Turan then with a lovely springboard flatliner through the ropes. That, that you, you must watch this match just for that move. And then Kenny Williams grabs the advantage with a chop block to the knee and works on the back. Yes, don't you know, don't work on the leg that you've just taken out. Work on the back. And it's not the first time, actually, we've seen Kenny Williams do that. Um, he, he did it, I think, in his match against Mark Andrews uh, a month or two ago when he took out the leg to gain the advantage and then spent five minutes just working on the back. There's no lot, yeah. There's no logicality there. Nearly couldn't find the word logicality there, but there's no logic there. You go to the knee, you work on the knee. I, I, I don't understand why Kenny Williams does that, but he goes to the trapezius with his foot, locks in a head crank, and then Tiger Taran reverses a back suplex into a sunset flip and a tilt a whirl face buster. Again, Amir Jordan bringing out everything here. Because his his last matches against Kenny Williams as Amir Jordan, where he had to leave NXT UK because he lost the match, they were fine. I, I don't remember them being anything other than really, really good. I mean, they were over a year and a bit ago now. But he spent his first few weeks in NXT UK just finding his feet again. And now I feel like he's coming into his own. I don't think the Tiger Taran stuff will last a long time. I think Kenny Williams will, at some point when they resume this feud, will have to get the mask off of him because Amir Jordan is a much more marketable entity than Tiger Taran. Anyway, Taran hits a front missile dropkick, suicide dive, Kenny Williams bails, and then he counters the senton with the knees. But Tiger Taran shocks him and pins him with an inside cradle for the win. 
Tehran beats Kenny Williams, but then Williams attacks him from behind, hits the bad luck headlock driver, and takes off Tiger Tehran's mask. However, as the commentators are having a kitten, thinking that we're finally going to see Amir Jordan underneath, there is a second mask, and then the second mask comes off, and there's a third mask underneath. That was very well done. I think we've seen it before with Rey Mysterio, possibly in his feud in 2009 with Chris Jericho, where Jericho just ripped off the mask and there was another mask underneath it. But this was very good. It, it showed brains on the side of Tiger Tehran that he knew Williams would go for the mask to prove he was Amir Jordan. So you put another one and then another one underneath. Like I said with this, this is like premature sex. They've come too soon with it, sadly. Tehran's already beat Kenny Williams in his first match. They've outed his identity already on commentary and to Kenny Williams as Amir Jordan. There's no slow build getting to Tiger Tehran's revenge. So what's left to care about? You know, for me, this is it now. All of that, all the, all the mystery man stalking Kenny Williams, the weeks of Kenny Williams going mad trying to work out who... Tiger Tehran was before finally coming to the conclusion that it was Amir Jordan. All that's over. That they have literally spunked it up the wall way too soon. Because if Williams has another match with Tiger Tehran, who cares? Kenny Williams is going to win. We know that. If Kenny Williams had have won this match and then maybe cheated Tiger Tehran out of a second match and then it would have been mask versus Korea match possibly because Kenny Williams could do with a long break from NXT UK he needs to tour the Indies again he needs to get his name back out there rediscover what he used to be because he's lost a lot of that since he came to NXT UK they're beating it out of him WWE it hasn't happened a lot or to a lot of wrestlers but it's happened to Kenny Williams they've beat it out of him so much that it's almost impossible now to get a long-term feud out of him so go away, rediscover yourself on the Indies, and then maybe come back at, in 2024. But like I said, if that happens now, who cares? Because Tiger Tehran's already beat him, so th there's no build. There's no reason for a rematch. Absolutely none at all. Now we get a look at Briggs and Jensen, the new NXT UK Tag Team Champions. Being confronted by Pretty Deadly on NXT 2.0. Now, if they wanted a quick fix, they'd have put the titles on Pretty Deadly, but they didn't do that. And instead, as we will see during this omnibus, they are challenged to a match by Wild Boar and Mark Andrews. I'd call them the new subculture, but the old subculture hasn't really been properly dismantled yet. Um, obviously, Flash Morgan Webster not yet returning, still injured. Doesn't want to sign another NXT UK contract, as we stated a few months ago. Now, we get a digital exclusive of Trent Seven being ejected after the attack on the fan at the end of June's NXT UK omnibus. Now, if you didn't listen to that, then a planted fan, obviously someone from the Performance Centre, jumped the rail, argued with Trent Seven, and Trent Seven gave him a swift kick in the bollocks, or nuts as you Americans say. Um, Trent Seven is called a disgrace and confronted by Sam Gradwell, and Gradwell calls him the dirt worst, which signals a match between them later in this show. 
not the July the 7th show, our Omnibus show. Now, Oliver Carter is helped by Charlie Dempsey in the UK Performance Centre. Tierman then arrives, wants to know if Oliver Carter is with them or against them. And they still play on him being tag team champion if it's not for Ashton Smith, which is true. If Ashton Smith hadn't got injured, Oliver Carter would likely still be one half of the NXT UK tag team champions. Then Tierman challenges him to a match. Now, I'm not going to go through this match, but the next one was a shocker. Josh Morrell defeated Primate in a shock upset, but they have to be going somewhere with it, or you're just burying Primate now, if you see what I mean. A lot was made here of Primate being alone, you know, it being a new chapter in his life, there was no T-bone either, so we can officially say that symbiosis is officially done. Travis will be laughing at that. But it's not good news for Primate. He's not going to make it on his own. He's a great wrestler. If you ever saw him on the UK Indies in, in Defiant Wrestling or anywhere else he's performed, he, he, he does a lot of independent wrestling around Newcastle, where he is from, I believe. But he's not going to make it in NXT UK as a single star, unfortunately. On the plus side... It is good to see Josh Morrell doing well after that scare against Tiger Duran. If you remember, the match had to be stopped. It would be nice, though, if this was the start of a push for Josh Morrell and the, the beginning of a new star, because he looked really good in this, and he got a huge ovation and you deserve it chance. I think this is his first NXT UK victory. I seem to remember him possibly getting another one right at the very beginning of NXT UK. I, I can't remember who it who it was against, but I, I may be remembering that wrong. That was four years ago. Four years NXT UK has been on the air. And like I said, we've covered most of them here on, on the Uni Smack podcast. Um, they're all available on the Hibiki TMD YouTube channel uh, for free. You can go and listen to anything we've done over there. But I am thinking about putting together like a big 60, 70 hour omnibus of the episodes we've done. I know that would be a lot for you guys to to listen to, but like like the deep dives that Jim Cornette does, I I don't get through them all in one sitting. I I listen to them when I'm travelling or when I'm walking to work, just bit by bit. So obviously Jim Cornette doesn't do 70 hours. But maybe maybe we'll cut it in two. Maybe we'll do I don't know, all of 2019s then all of 2020s, obviously, all of 2018s. We'll see. Maybe we'll just do, like, 20-episode deep dives. So 20 in one, 20 in another. I don't know. I'm not sure yet. But I know it's some really good material and a great look back of how far NXT UK has come in in four years. So I'm thinking of possible ways to do that for you. Get me on Twitter. If or in the comments even you've been great by the way in the comments on on Podbean we're we're getting so many more comments than we used to we used to just get questions for question time which will be coming again soon in September so keep your eye out on the Twitter feed keep your eye out um, obviously on my Twitter feed and then listen here because I'll be announcing when we're opening for questions again but you know you've been great you're really getting into this. You know, pop bean stuff now and listen listening to us around the podcasting world. So if you'd like a big omnibus 
let me know. Let me know there's an audience for it before I sit down and have to edit, what, 70 hours of audio. Anyway, back on with this episode. And we get a video package for Ilya Dragunov looking back on his challenges as champion. We see him training and then he says he wants Wolfgang. Why, I hear you ask. We'll find that out in just a little bit. But it, it's almost creepy because... July's NXT UK was taped, I think, two weeks before the end of June. It's almost as if they knew what was coming with Dragunov. Because these video packages and his challenge to Wolfgang is almost treated like the end of his title reign. Without them even knowing he was going to get hurt. Very odd to witness. Next up on the July the 7th NXT UK was Trent Seven versus Tate Mayfairs. And this match was solely to prove that Trent Seven can be a different wrestler and hang on his own as a heel. However, it has been a few weeks now since he turned on Tyler Bay and he needs to alter his look, he needs to alter his music, his attire. Everything about the old Trent Seven really has to go for me in order for him to be a different person. It's all very well having the character, but for me, he's not got the look. He's still got the long, trampy hair. He needs to be suited and booted in a way. And I know suited and booted has been done a lot for heels, but it really would suit Trent Seven. Anyway, some reviewer said that Trent Seven doesn't have what it takes to be a threat to anyone huge in NXT UK. And this push will be just for the storyline of the breakup of Mustache Mountain. Now, that person has never seen his progress or ICW stuff clearly. What a ridiculous and ludicrous statement. Trent Seven is a main event act as long as he's pushed right. Now, I understand that people might not have a lot of faith in NXT UK or WWE pushing new stars, but it's a new era. This is going to change, and I'm confident that now Tyler Bate is NXT UK champion. Again, spoilers. I should have said spoilers beforehand, shouldn't I, really? That's some children shouting outside the window. Nothing I can do about that, unfortunately. But this it will be the beginning of Trent Seven taking the title from Tyler Bate and then obviously, hope, hopefully, an NXT UK Championship reign for the King of Mustache Mountain. Now, as he makes his entrance to this match, there is a new aura about him. He starts with a cheap shot. He treats Tate Mayfairs with disrespect. Just manhandles him, which is really nice to see. Trent Seven then hits some brutal chops on the outside, a big DDT in the ring, and then just takes it to Tate Mayfair's back. Chops, sends him into the turnbuckle like a rag doll, and this is total domination by Trent Seven. And it suits the new character and what he is now, and really what he stands for, i.e. no one's getting in my way. I will do and take out whoever I need to in order to get to the top and look after number one. He finishes Mayfairs with the seven stars Lariat, and it's good to see the move getting a build again instead of kicked out of every time, which it was being done in tag team matches. Now, Trent Seven, this Trent Seven is the future of NXT UK. I don't know how many more times I have to say it. But then after the match, Trent Seven attacks Tate Mayfairs, and Sam Gradwell makes the save. Trent Seven is glorious here. Just walks away really, really smug. Noam Dar gets a video package here about his Heritage Cup dominance. 
He calls himself the victim of his own success and says that he's cleared out the division, which he has, in all fairness. And then Mark Coffey cuts in and we get a back and forth between the two before their Heritage Cup match on the July the 14th episode. Now, they do make a big thing here about Shah Samuels having everything on the line and taking huge bets against Mark Coffey because this is obviously Mark Coffey's second match for the for the Cup against Noam Dar. But the Scot is glorious here. Obviously, they put the belt on Tyler Bate. Okay, again, spoiler. Not much of a spoiler, is it, if I say it after the spoiler. But obviously, they put the belt on Tyler Bate to build the whole moustache mountain thing. So Trent Seven could send Tyler Bate packing and really rub insult into injury and take his title as well. But I would have liked to have seen Noam Dar as NXT UK champion because he was he's been fantastic as a Heritage Cup champion. Absolutely top of his game. They struck gold when they paired him with Shah Samuels. And now I'm not gonna say it's falling flat, but it's growing stagnant in that there's nothing left for them to do. A partnership like this needs to be there in people's faces on a regular basis. And we haven't seen Noam Dar in the ring for a good few weeks now, which obviously declines what him and Shah Samuels can do as a double act. Now, the main event of the July the 7th NXT UK was Maiko Satamora and Saray versus Zybrookside and Eliza Alexander, or Eliza Dudahill, I should say, with that accent. Now, this is not a main event caliber match, not the way Alexander has been performing. And I get the love for her from people online. She is a great wrestler, but we need to stop acting like she's been great in NXT UK because she hasn't. And I get it every time I switch on Twitter from a few people who will remain nameless. All we want, Eliza Alexander. Eliza Alexander should be NXT UK Women's Champion. Why are you not pushing Eliza Alexander more? Let's be real and actually look at how professional wrestling works, shall we? Because she's done very little in the ring in NXT UK. She's shown very little in the ring in NXT UK. And not to mention that she's also not fully contracted to WWE. She's still doing her stuff like Amelia McKenzie is on the indies. So WWE aren't going to sign her properly. They're not going to use her properly because she can't commit her future to that company. Not just yet anyway. And it is the same for Zia Brookside, who is now taking independent bookings. So let's stop acting like Eliza Alexander has been the be-all and end-all of the women's division in NXT UK, because she hasn't. She's shown nothing. She's been very lackadaisical in the ring. Obviously, I, I get the love for her from all of us who have seen her on the indies. But here, now, in this situation, she's not yet cutting the mustard. Now, Brookside and Saray start by exchanging head scissors. Now, and Zaya Brookside, while we're talking about her, she looks like she's really growing into her character now. Now that they've, they've placed her with Alexander, they've took away the, the whole bratty, oh, daddy, get me a match. Daddy says I can do this. I'm a princess. It, it, it's more sly with her now. 
And I'm enjoying this character of Zy Brookside a lot more than I was the petulant, spoilt little brat. So well done, because you were really turning me off, Zaya. But now, I'm quite, I'm quite partial to you again, sweetheart. I realise calling, calling her sweetheart was patronising. But we didn't start off as slam pigs for nothing. Now, Brookside and Saray start by exchanging head scissors. Eliza Alexander is in, drags Saray down by the hair, and then the champion, Maiko Satomura, in. Lovely quick arm work on Alexander. And then the Japanese... Double team bulldog. Brookside holds Alexander's waist to stop an Irish whip, and then Zaya herself hits the broken wings in the rope and tramples over Saray. The heels dominate Saray in the corner, and then Alexander with a near fall and a sliding elbow, but it's very uninspiring, to be honest. Now, I'm not being horrible to Eliza Alexander here. Because people are, are bigging her up when she doesn't deserve it. She's literally giving nothing. If you saw Eliza Alexander in NXT UK and then you saw Lizzie Evo on the Indies, you'd swear it was two different women for the way she works. Eliza Alexander with a nice camel clutch. Saray turns it into a pin. Wheelbarrow roll. Stomp, just like Mark Andrews. And then Maiko Satomura with a handspring knee to Alexander and a lovely frog splash for a near fall. Alexander pulls Brookside out of the path of Saray. Zai Brookside distracts the ref and Maiko Satamora, but Alexander misses a knee on the apron and Saray knocks her flat. Saray then with a wicked drop kick to Zai Brookside and I mean it takes both women through the ropes. Zai Brookside is sat against the, the bottom rope Saray comes at her with a drop kick and almost goes straight through her face and knocks her through the <laughs> through the rope between the bottom and the middle. It is it's deadly. Looks brilliant, but deadly. And then Satamora finishes her with the Scorpio rising. This was ten minutes, not main event caliber, like I said. Did nothing for the heels. For me, this should have opened. It was a perfect opener match. I'm not sure what you'd have ended the episode with. Possibly Tehran versus Kenny Williams. That was one of the best matches on the episode. Not out of this world, but still very good. This, however, not a main event match, sadly. And it exists to build Satamora versus Saray. The July the 14th NXT UK began with Oliver Carter versus Tierman in singles action. And this, of course, came from the confrontation between the two at the NXT UK Performance Centre. Now, they waste no time here. They go straight at it. Tierman with a headlock, works the arm, and then Oliver Carter fights out and reverse. Sunset flip, Tierman counters with a punch. Carter avoids and slips niftily out of the back. Giggity, as Quagmire would say. Carter with the head scissors. Tierman dropkick to the knee to take control. Then Oliver Carter fights back, but Tierman goes to the back, and the momentum of this match really, really slows with Tierman in control. Carter hits a standing lion salt, super kick to the gut, Harlem side kick, and Tierman with an inventive pin for a near fall and a sliding forearm for a second near fall. Carter reverses the evil eye forward roll DDT into a kappa kick. 
Rohan Raja then jumps up on the apron to distract the referee and Charlie Dempsey tries to attack Carter but gets a boot to the face for his troubles. Oliver Carter then hits a springboard missile dropkick in which he gets plenty of airtime and a lovely spinning wheel kick in the corner for the win. This was a good opener, but the 50-50 booking of D-Familiar is not doing them any favours. Tierman is getting better as a single star. You can see it every week. His singles matches are no longer meh. They're actually really, really watchable. But honestly, D-Familiar are doing nothing. They need to split them. Dempsey needs to move on to bigger things. Rohan Raja is the epitome of a of an enhancement talent, in my opinion. And Tierman has to be inserted into the Heritage Cup picture. Because that's that's where he belongs. That's his ceiling. And I know a lot of people disagree with me. But sadly, for me, from what I've seen, he, he's not going to make it as a big star in NXT UK. Now, after the match, the familiar attack and Tierman hits the evil eye to Oliver Carter to leave him thinking. Do I think this will lead to Oliver Carter joining the familiar? I mean, anything's possible. Right now, we we don't yet, or at least I've not heard of a diagnosis on Ashton Smith and how long he'll be out. I'm assuming it's going to be months and months. Like Dragunov, we may not see him again this year on television, at least. But in the meantime, Oliver Carter needs something to do. And it might be a nice redemption story. You know, the lost soul that joins the heels, even though he's not a heel himself. Just, just to get up the ladder. And then Ashton Smith comes back, tries to save him from D-Familiar, and finally they regain the tag team titles and the baddies are vanquished. It writes itself. Will it happen? I don't know. But I, I am genuinely interested to see what they do with Oliver Carter now that Ashton Smith is no longer around. Because they seem to be pushing him. They seem to be giving him wins. So, fingers crossed that finally... Something has clicked for them and they're willing to do something with this man who who began life as just a jobber. I think it was his debut match. He came in and he lost after weeks of hype and then they just didn't use him. But fingers crossed, now it's clicked. Trent Seven attacks Sam Gradwell in the PC earlier this week and is dragged off by trainers. Again, this adds another side to Trent Seven. Like, when's the last time you saw him attack anyone from behind? Josh Morrell is then confronted by Dave Mastiff in a digital exclusive, and Mastiff congratulates him on beating Primate and tells him that next week they will go one-on-one. Now, they wouldn't have made a big deal of this if they weren't thinking long-term when it came to Josh Morrell. I know what you're thinking, no chance against Dave Mastiff. And most for the most part you're right. But they never they never do this with jobbers. They never put an established NXT UK talent in a media exclusive challenging a jobber to a match. I'm hopeful that they've got something for Josh Morrell and they know where they want him to go. Maybe they know Tyler Bate and Dragunov are on their way out and on their way up to NXT or Raw or SmackDown. Anything's possible now. Triple H is in control of creative again. So they want homegrown stars, homegrown being British independent talent. They want them homegrown stars to begin to come up and replace the people that they're going to lose. 
And I do hope now, now that Triple H is in control and Vince McMahon's out, I do have hope for men like Tyler Bate on the main roster. Obviously, I hope Pete Dunne gets his name back and gets a massive push. But for men like Tyler Bate and Dragunov on the main roster, the future for once looks unbelievably bright. Now, we see Wolfgang playing football. He's asked about the challenge from Dragunov the previous week. And Wolfie says that he respects Ilya, but be careful what you wish for. Then he says people need to remember who Wolfgang is and someone needs to take the title from Dragunov. Yes, Wolfie, that would be injury. Now, Amal defeated Stevie Turner. It was a nothing match to get Amal back on track after the losses to Eliza Alexander. But where the story really came in, and why I'm mentioning this, because it had a greater impact in a few episodes' time, is Blair Davenport was on commentary for this bout. Now, she's not bad, but one does question why they, they haven't had her go straight for the title. You know, she, she became injured fighting Satamora for the title in a match she was originally scheduled to win. Obviously, she, she knackered that ankle up something chronic. So why have they not inserted her straight back into the title picture now? There's no point in dragging it out. Just get it done. We all know the title is going on Blair Davenport. But it's obvious this is as far as Stevie Turner is going. She's settled into a role now that she is never going to shake off. And why? Because I don't think she's got the talent. Yes, she's she's been in stardom. She's done notable things in Japan. But it's not there. I don't look at Stevie Turner and think I want to see more of her. She's a perennial enhancement talent for the rest of the roster. Sadly, and a lot of people won't like me saying that, but it's tough shit because I've got the mic. And I'm sure Travis would agree with me. There's no star power about her. She just gets through matches. However, and this is a big however, this whole match was put together to have Davenport versus Amal. But if you're just going to feed the French the French hope to Blair Davenport in Blair's quest for the NXT UK Women's title, then she's going to suffer too. You were really on something with Amal. You had something there. People were into her after a, a, an initial phase where people were just like, Ugh, not bothered because she wasn't that great in the ring. She upped her game. She got fans behind her. NXT UK seemed to be booking her really, really well. And then again, it just fell off of a cliff with her. It fell off of a cliff with her because they put Eliza Alexander and Zy Brookside before Amal's best interest. And obviously now it's all over. Amal is left rebuilding once again. Noam Dar and Shah Samuels are informed backstage that Shah is barred from ringside. Then we get Michael Satamora and Saray in another digital exclusive. They are greeted by Amelia McKenzie after they come backstage from their tag team match against Brookside and Alexander the previous week. And they basically ignore Amelia McKenzie. They make her stand there like a complete fucking dunce while they talk in Japanese. We do get the subtitles, and those subtitles amount to Sarai challenging Maiko Satomura to a match. It's not stated whether it's for the NXT UK Women's Championship. She just wants a match, and then Satomura nods and walks away 
leaving an angry Amelia McKenzie. Now, Nina Samuels then catches McKenzie staring and asks her what they were talking about. Amelia McKenzie angrily tells Nina Samuels that it's nothing to do with her. Now, do I need to say it again? Do I? Do I really need to go into this whole Amelia McKenzie thing yet again? I I feel like I do because I feel like there's another bout of anger waiting to come out. But I'm not. I'm going to save it for now because I've said it for two months in a row about Amelia McKenzie and what they should be doing with her. Let's see if it comes to fruition. Then it is announced that Ilya Dragunov will defend the NXT UK Championship against Wolfgang in two weeks' time. Now, the main event of the July the 14th NXT UK is for the NXT UK Heritage Cup Championship. Noam Dar defends against Mark Coffey, and there is a great reception for Mark Coffey here as the, the crowd sing along with the Gallus theme. Now, I can't promise you, good people, but I don't think there's been a reception like this for Gallus since Blackpool 2. Um, I was in the front row for that. I am all over that event. If, if you watch it on the network, then you can see me in my Pete Dunn shirt in the front row recording. <laughs> Just recording a lot of the, the show on my phone for the, the, the vlog. Um, lucky I didn't get caught and thrown out, really. But the reception for them in that tag team match and the reception for Joe Coffey as well in the main event against Walter was almost unlike anything I've heard mid-card talent receive. It was almost God level. I was there cheering for them when they were tag champs. Joe, uh, Mark Coffey got right up in front of me when they, they'd finished. I managed to tap him on the knee. But that was the kind of reception that Mark Coffey got here in this singles match. And I, I believe people are starting to buy into the fact that actually Mark Coffey could be the big star of Gallus and not Joe or Wolfgang. We'll have to see how that plays out. Now... Noam Dar has altered the Heritage Cup. Um, and I laugh because it's funny and it fits in with the character. But he's, he's put stickers and I can't remember what they are. I think they're just coloured stickers over the nameplates of all the other Heritage Cup champions around the base of the trophy. It's, it's very, very good. Uh, <laughs> Now, what makes this interesting, the second time around, I should say, is that no one believes that Mark Coffey has a chance. And that's what keeps this watchable. Because it's the fact that he, you don't think he has a chance that actually gives him the edge. Round one. Noam Dar dresses the corner man as Shah Samuels. That's funny. They tussle for the advantage, but neither can seem to grab one until Mark Coffey hits a bear hug takedown. Coffee dodges a sweeping leg, uses his power to throw Noam Dar around, and then after the bell, Mark Coffey knocks Noam to the ground to assert his authority. The second round begins with Noam Dar coming out of the gates with the Nova Roller, but Mark Coffey dodges, locks him into the gator lock for the submission, 1-0 to Mark Coffey. I didn't see it coming. You didn't see it coming. And if you did, I'm going to call you a bare-faced bullshitter. We then get a picture in picture, and this happens quite a lot through the next few rounds, of <laughs> Shah Samuels losing his shit, let's say. Obviously, he's got everything riding on this. Noam Dar is 1-0 down 
and Shah Samuels, absolutely glorious. Round three, Noam Dar goes for the leg, but Mark Coffey rolls him up for a near fall, and he has Noam Dar's number here on everything he tries, but Dar sells it all great. Noam Dar then rolls to the apron, elbows to Mark Coffey to take advantage, and then Dar goes to the arms, the wrists, vicious kicks, and then a big kick to the leg, goes for the Nova Roller, but time runs out. And again, we're back with Shah Samuels. He is a ball of everything. Happiness, sadness, frustration, laughter. He's just amazing. Absolutely brilliant. I would double Shah Samuels' his contract just because he, he provides so much entertainment every time he's on screen. Round four begins and Noam Dar feigns the Nova Roller, goes for the Champagne Super Knee Bar instead, but Mark Coffey sits on it for a near fall. Noam Dar goes back to the arm, rolls into the knee break of the submission, and Mark Coffey submits. One all, but Noam Dar will not let go. Now, Mark Coffey hadn't really had his knee worked on so badly that he'd have to be, he'd have to submit here. That was that was the only the only thing, the only you know question mark hanging over this is that I understand why Noam Dar tapped out to the gator lock because he didn't want his arm ruined, a heelish thing to do. But Mark Coffey, the baby face, should he have tapped as soon as he did? I'm not. I'm not so sure. It did not convince me, let's put it that way. But as it is, one all. And it's a it's a fairly entertaining match as we enter round five. Now, the fifth round begins with a wicked Noam Dar dropkick in the corner, which gets him a near fall. Mark Coffey fights back, but Noam Dar hits a lovely pump kick in the corner and then turns a spine buster into a guillotine, which Mark Coffey then turns into a suplex in a cracking series of moves. They lay into each other really hard. Strikes, forearms, chops, punches. Mark Coffey misses a kick in the ropes. Noam Dar kicks his leg out from under him. But then Mark Coffey hits a superplex as time runs out. And they start to build the drama here. Very, very nicely indeed. Round six, the final round, Noam Dar rolls out, forces Mark Coffey to give chase, and then lures him into a champagne super knee bar, but Mark Coffey manages to escape. Noam Dar then hits a hard kick to the face in the corner, hooks his feet on the ropes of the pin, but the referee spots it in time. Mark Coffey then goes back to what worked for him early with a gator lock, and the commentary t- team here... Nigel McGuinness is excellent in building the tension as Noam Dar begins to lose his grip on the Heritage Cup. And you don't know whether he's going to tap, but Shepard and McGuinness on commentary, they're, they're fighting it. It's a job I've not heard Nigel McGuinness do, do this well since Walter versus Pete Dunne. Since Walter dethroned Pete Dunne for the title and McGuinness gave it heart and he gave it drama, and he gave it pathos. There's so much art in commentary, and a lot of commentators these days don't get it. They don't get what it's about. They just think it's about sitting at a microphone and shouting wrestling moves for 20 minutes a match. It's not. There is story and drama and heart 
to be given. And that's what Nigel McGuinness does. The main roster, and I don't want to lose Nigel McGuinness from NXT UK, just like I didn't want to lose Vic Joseph, because Vic Joseph was tremendous in NXT UK. But the main roster really needs Nigel McGuinness. And if they don't bring him up from NXT UK to do Raw, um, I think SmackDown's covered by Pat McAfee and uh, Michael Cole. But if they don't bring Nigel McGuinness up to do Raw, then what the fuck are you doing, Hunter? Like, seriously, this man is absolutely tremendous. He gives it when it needs to be given. And the fact that he doesn't do it too much makes it even more special when he does. Now, Noam Dar hits a Nova roller on the outside, which looks beautiful. Back elbow for a near fall. And then Mark Coffey, Lariat, full Nelson slam. And then a sliding forearm for the win. Oh, yes. Your new NXT UK Heritage Cup champion is Mark Coffey. The crowd were absolutely shocked. I was shocked. Shah Samuels meltdown backstage. But, oh my God. He's, again, I've said how good he is twice now. I'm not going to say it again. But he staggers out into the aisle, falls to his knees, throws open his jacket, and betting slips fly everywhere as the locker room comes out, not just to give Mark Coffey a standing ovation, but to collect on their bets. Um, they they do chase Shah backstage in an amusing little moment. Now, great for Mark Coffey here. No tag team champion, Heritage Cup champion. I don't believe he'll ever win the big one, but this is a nice platform now to build Gallus off of. So, spoiler alert. Fast forward about 30 seconds if you don't want to know what is coming. This won't last. Noam Dar does win it back. He won the Heritage Cup back at the uh, the recent tapings. But for now, until he does, then he has been a superb champion and a highlight of the brand. As much as this match was about Mark Coffey and some single success at last for him and Gallus, we cannot overlook Noam Dar and everything he's done for the brand. Because when he came from 205 Live in 2018 and was added to the the number one contender fatal four-way match at the Royal Albert Hall, people people were just like, oh, God, you know, he's going to be cannon fodder. And then he fought Pete Dunne on the first ever episode of NXT UK, and he was great there. But in the last year or so, that was a hotel door slamming, by the way. People are very noisy here for some reason. But the last year or so, he's been one of the highlights of NXT UK and just an absolutely cracking, cracking job. So, Noam Dar, take your bow, my friend. Then at the end of this match, Mark Coffey is stood in the middle of the ring and out comes Joe Coffey to congratulate his brother. If they don't use this, if they don't use the jealousy of Joe Coffey to split Gallus and to have him turn on his brother, then I don't believe Gallus will split. Honestly, this is the perfect moment now. If you don't use it, 
then it's never, never going to happen. Now, the July the 21st NXT UK was nothing to shout about in the ring, unfortunately. For me, it was a disappointing episode. And one of the most disappointing things for me was Isla Dawn versus Fallon Henley. Now, I'm not going to review this match because it wasn't worth reviewing. Thankfully, they didn't job Isla Dawn to Fallon Henley. But Dawn can do much better than this in the ring. And we've seen it several times. She held her own against Maiko Satamora. She was good against Danny Luna. Obviously, she's she's lost a step since they didn't bother doing anything with her. But the NXT UK Championship story that she was involved in, it was decent. And at least it showed what she could do in the ring and in, in front of a camera acting-wise. But she needs to step up now. Isla Dawn needs to show that she can lead a match against a lesser talent like Fallon Henley. Because right now she's done she's done a lot of being led. But now it's time for her to step up and say, look at me, look. I can lead anyone that you put in front of me. Now, Sarai is doing a sickening interview backstage where she's all... Happy and girly and hi everyone, it's Saray here from London, etc, etc. Tells her fans what she's been doing in the UK, like they watch this programme. I would be shocked if the WWE Network in Japan, I'm not even sure it's in Japan, I'm sure it is. I would be shocked if the WWE Network in Japan carries NXT UK. And if it does, I would be even more shocked if anybody watches this show in the land of the rising sun. Okay, I'm just going to put that out there. Maybe Maiko Satomura has changed that. Maybe people do tune in for her. But I wouldn't have thought there was a huge following for (laughs) for this, this brand in Japan. Then, as Sarai is talking, Maiko Satomura passes her and Sarai again asks her for a match. She says, weirdly that she got no response last time. She did. She got a nod, and a nod's as good as a yes. And this time, Maiko Satomura accepts in words. So, we will get Maiko Satomura versus Saray. Now, we go to Amal, who is watching her match against Stevie Turner last week at the PC. And then she she's listening to Blair Davenport's commentary about her. And then Amal storms out the room and she finds Davenport in the canteen, confronts her and says that she'll save all her anger for their match. I'm going to reiterate my point from earlier. Why is this happening now? Blair Davenport should be angry that her title opportunity was taken away from her. She should be gunning for that title and focusing on nothing else. The way they've brought her back makes no sense. And the same goes for Amal. She should be being built as the first challenger to Blair Davenport after she wins the title. Not being sacrificed yet again. This is the Liguero role. Now, for those long-time fans who have followed us from YouTube to the podcasting world, if you remember Liguero, the sex pest Liguero, um, he was used as a stepping stone for a lot of talent, a lot of talent like Jordan Devlin, etc., where he'd get so high 
and then he'd lose to a big name and drop back down the ladder. And that was his role in NXT UK. Amal, I'm worried, is being used the same way. Like I said before, she's a talent on her own. She's stepped up. She deserves a push. She's not going to beat Blair Davenport. They're not going to make Davenport eat a loss to Amal before they put her back into the title picture. So this can only end one way, and it's not a good way for the French lady. Now we get Dave Mastiff versus Josh Morell, and this is intriguing because of Josh Morell beating Primate. Are they pushing him? I'm going to leave that up to you to decide. The way this match ends, I'm inclined to say yes, and they have got something bigger lined up for him. But I am a little bit apprehensive that Josh Morell is going to be the Barry Horowitz of NXT UK. In fact, this might that might be <laughs> that might actually be the uh, the title of this month's episode. I haven't decided yet because obviously I, I'm, I'm recording it now. Um, I usually decide on the titles as I'm as I'm uploading them to to Podbean, but. Maybe that will be, yeah, I think it will be. The Barry Horowitz of NXT UK. Anyway, commentary mentions that Jack Stars is injured, but that's another blow for an already sparse tag team division. It means Dave Mastiff is single once more. Josh Morell looks like he's falling apart. I will say that. He has got masses of tape on both shoulders, and it looks like it's holding him together. I used to have a wrestling figure like that. I can't remember whether it might have been Jake the Snake, the old Hasbro figures. And when they cracked, I put a plaster over the crack. And I think he had a crack on each shoulder. And I put like an elastoplast plaster on him. And that is what Josh Morell looks like. He looks like a figure I've taped together from my childhood because I smashed it around too hard. Just how I like my women. No, that's a joke, by the way. Dave Mastiff, headlock to start, but Josh Morell with a handstand to break out, and he walks out of a headlock on both hands. I love that. Morell flips, flops, climbs Dave Mastiff to break a wrist lock, which looks great, and then Mastiff uses his power to throw Josh Morell around. Morell then tries a monkey flip, but Mastiff catches him, and Morell again flips out. Josh Morell... Looks like he has got Dave Mastiff's number, and it's to his absolute credit. Mastiff then applies a nerve hold on the tape shoulders, catches Morel coming off the second rope and hits a vicious belly-to-belly suplex. But Morel the sunset flip. Dave Mastiff reverses that into a German. Morel then lands on his feet and hits a front drop kick and corkscrew sent on. I don't remember NXT UK ever allowing a jobber or a man classed as a job, a slash enhancement talent, to give this much offence without giving him a push. So it's looking good for Morel. Josh then with a the Starman plancher over the top rope looked absolutely tremendous. Flipped in, rolled over Dave Mastiff, but got caught in a flapjack. And then Mastiff hit him a powerbomb and a Finley roll for a near fall. But Morel couldn't stand the attack. And Mastiff with a second Finley roll and sent on for the victory. This was a really good David versus Goliath match. It didn't go too long. I don't think this went more than seven or eight minutes. But Josh Morell looked like an absolute star in defeat here. 
So let's go with it. Let's roll with this. Let's see where it goes. Let's create a new star out of absolutely nothing. Because that is when you find the best hidden gems in professional wrestling. When it comes out of nothing. And I hope Josh Morrell goes on to the Heritage Cup. I hope he wins the Heritage Cup. I hope he's one of them success stories that happens in no time at all and then is sustained. Maybe in five or six years' time, if NXT UK is still around, Josh Morrell will be NXT UK champion. I can see people loving him. I can see him already getting behind him. It would be a shame to stop this in its tracks. I want to see, genuinely want to see, where this goes and how long Josh Morrell can sustain the fan support. After the match, Dave Mastiff helps Morrell up and shakes his hand. A well-earned handshake there. I don't remember anyone ever taking it to Dave Mastiff like this that looked like Josh Morrell, if that makes sense. We get a little bit of comic relief next with Shah Samuels and Noam Dar in the UK Performance Centre at a table that is covered in money. And at that table, people are lining up to collect their winnings from the Heritage Cup match last week. Shah Samuel is absolutely wonderful here. He's throwing money at people. He's handing them wads of cash with comments like, you know I've got kids, yeah? And then he ends up crying. He's lost it all. And Noam Dar tells him they'll make more. And it's the interaction between the two is glorious. Just my favourite pairing in NXT UK in the whole of WWE in 2022. Bravo, lads. And then Johnny Saint is the last one to the table in a tracksuit. Tells Shah Samuels to pay up and Samuels runs away. This was an entertaining little segment. Brooks and Jensen are then at a photo session as the new NXT UK Tag Team Champions. They're asked about the challenge from Andrews and Boar, which I didn't mention because it was just a basic challenge. And they said it would be an honour to face the best team in NXT UK. The titles have to change soon. Okay? They're spending way too much time in America right now. And there doesn't seem to be that much thought about having them on their own brand. Amelia McKenzie then beat Nina Samuels in a match that was... It was better than the others she's had in the past few weeks and months. But it was still pointless in the long run because it's not advancing her story with Maiko Satamora. I don't know what this needs to make it explode, but it, it's simmering too much now. And it's in danger of going off the boil. You know, if, if you've ever cooked pasta, um, I can't cook pasta. It never works out for me. It always ends up rubbery. But there's a point where the pan's full of water... The pasta's in it, and it's starting to boil, and it's boiling and boiling and boiling and boiling more. And I'm pretty sure when it's reached the boil, you take it off. This is this is what this story is. It's reached the boil already. It needs to come off of the stove, but it's starting to simmer. The water in it's starting to simmer down less now. And finally, it's going to go all rubbery and not going to be worth eating. Pull this trigger now. If Mackenzie is going heel... She needs to do it in the next few weeks. We get a sit-down between Dragunov and Wolfgang. 
Andy Shepard hosting. Wolfgang goes through his own history and says he respects Dragunov for beating Walter. And then Dragunov says there would be no him without Wolfgang and that he doesn't get the credit for building NXT UK. Wolfgang says that Dragunov doesn't know what he's capable of and Dragunov says there's a chance here to see the true Wolfgang because he's been hiding in the shadows of Gallus. Wolfgang then says the title belongs to Gallus and Dragunov says it belongs to the person who wants to go and fight for it. You see, that's a, that's what a good champion would say. That's a Bret Hart thing that Dragunov said, that the title belongs to whoever will fight for it. The main event of the July the 21st, NXT UK, Trent Seven versus Sam Gradwell in a barnstorming match. And it's good to see Sam Gradwell get a main event match as well. Some really good reactions from the crowd for Sam. I hope he's finally getting there because... 50, it's been 50-50 booking with him, been winning some, the momentum's lost, but it, it looks like he's really starting to click with fans now, and I like Sam Grubber. I didn't, I started off not liking him, I thought he was boring, but fingers crossed for a good, good push. Now, Trent Seven throws a towel at Gradwell to start, attacks him, but Sam sends him out and hits a hard suicide dive. We see then Gradwell's knee brace coming off and he slams Trent Seven on the outside. Trent Seven backhand, clothesline on the apron, hits really hard as we want Tyler Chance rain down on the Brummy native. Dragon suplex and then Trent Seven says he is British strong style and even goes as far as to do the Pete Dunn pose. Now, let's stop this, that here for uh, a minute. Would I like to see Trent Seven versus Pete Dunne again? Yes, I would. Would I like to see it for the NXT UK Championship? Yes, I would. Would I like to be in attendance at the takeover that that happens? Absolutely fucking right. I would. Now, the question remains. When Trent Seven is done away with Tyler Bates and become an NXT UK Champion, which I have no doubt will happen... Should Pete Dunne take a break from the main roster, come back as Pete Dunne and challenge Trent Seven? That is a big question. On one hand, no, because obviously the brand has to move forward and Pete Dunne was the main founding father. So people would see that as a step backwards. However, would it... Would it be good for both men? Yes. Would it be good for Trent Seven going forward? Absolutely. Trent Seven would have the bragging rights of saying he sent Tyler Bate packing. He beat Pete Dunne. He's now the king of Mustache Mountain. He is the epitome of British strong style. I see that happening. Obviously, they've got to give Pete Dunne his name back. This butt shit has to end. But I think it would be a nice, a nice filler. Uh, obviously, it 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 wouldn't serve as a, you know a filler. It wouldn't be just a one week thing. It would have to be weeks and weeks built. But I mean filler in that it would give NXT UK time 
to build someone else up to then challenge Trent Seven. Because apart from Noam Dar, I don't see anybody ready right now. Will that happen? I don't think so. But with Triple H now in charge, let, let's hope that we get something along those lines. Because you can say you're British Strong Style, you can do the Pete Dunn pose, you can say you're the head of Mustache Mountain, etc. But until you've beaten both men, both of your former partners, then you can't say it with any legitimacy. So, fingers crossed, give us Pete Dunn back on NXT UK, even if it's just for a few weeks. Now, they punch, they slap each other hard. Gradwell with hard forearms, Trent Seven ducks, and then Sam hits a double underhook suplex, which looked great. Gradwell with a clothesline over the top rope, but begins to flex his knee as the guard comes off, and then hits a flying forearm from the apron. Gradwell rolls Trent Seven in from back with a huge suicide dive, which almost broke the barricade, and then they just lay into each other. It's hard, it's it's fast. It looks like two proper men having a scrap. And that's what professional wrestling should look like. Not a well-choreographed ballet routine. Gradwell tweaks the knee coming off of the ropes, but hits a double underhook from the top. Trent Seven tries to walk out, but Gradwell gives chase. And then Seven lures him into a false sense of security and snatches a knee breaker on the steps for control. Trent then takes the brace off the knee, goes to the knee with a figure four variation with Gradwell reverses, and then Sam hits a flat line, a clothesline, but the knee will not work. Gradwell tries the DVD, but the knee gives out, and Trent seven chop block, and the seven stars lariat for a near fall. Oh yes, it lasted all of one match before we start kicking out of the seven stars lariat again. Trent goes for a second seven stars with the knee brace, but Gradwell reverses it into a ripcord forearm for a near fall. And then Sam Gradwell goes to grab his knee brace, goes to hit Trent Seven with it, but the ref takes it. And and as the ref is distracted, Trent Seven hits a low blow and a second seven stars lariat for the win. Really, really good main event here. Played into the new character of Trent Seven. And then after the match, Seven goes to re-injure Sam Gradwell's knee. But Tyler Bate returns, races through the crowd, chases Trent Seven away. And Trent Seven's reactions and facials here are absolutely great. But it does render the announcement that Tyler Bate is gone indefinitely a little bit pointless. I think that lasted three weeks, maybe. Maybe even less than that. But he's back. Mustache Mountain are on a collision course. Their first singles match will be in the final of the NXT UK Championship Tournament in a few weeks' time where where Tyler Bate gets the better of Trent Seven. But overall, Seven will send Bate packing because the main roster, not so much NXT, but the main roster could do with a Tyler Bate, just like they could do with a Pete Dunne, just like they are making the most of Walter right now. And we end this review with the July the 28th episode of NXT UK, which was treated like a massive episode from the beginning. 
The opening video package hyped all three big matches, i.e. Brooks and Jensen versus Subculture, or the new Subculture, I should say, in Mark Andrews and Wild Boar, for the NXT UK Tag Team Championships. The Amal Blair Davenport match, which we've talked about earlier in the show. And, of course, the NXT United Kingdom Championship match, Dragonov versus Wolfgang. So, it, it and it's... it's unusual and rare let's say for this to happen unless they think that they've got something huge usually they'll hype one match um we've seen them go to town on video packages for a main event featuring one of the four main championships but this time they went all in on all three matches and by the end of the episode you do feel like that was probably a mistake because of the quality on show. We'll get into it. You'll see what I mean. So first up. On the July the 28th episode. Was the NXT UK Tag Team Championship. Now there's a great reception here for the Welshman. And there's no doubt about it. That Wild Boar has breathed a new life into Mark Andrews. I, you know, Everyone knows my opinions on the old subculture. Andrews and Webster. But since Wild Boar's come back. He's, he's really given Mark Andrews a new edge. And it's not, oh, God, a Mark Andrews match. It's, oh, a Mark Andrews match. You see where I'm going with it. But Mark Andrews and, and Wild Boar look like hobbits stood next to them. The height difference is absolutely insane. Now, Jensen and Wild Boar start. Wild Boar goes to the arm. Mark Andrews with a stomp off the top rope to the injured arm. Andrews then with a 619 to the leg, and while Boar hits a dragon screw, but Jensen struggles to sell. Uh, th- this is a, a point that I've seen brought up with Brooks Jensen on Twitter, that he's young, he's full of you-know-what, but he, he just can't really sell. Now, he does a job here, right? He tries his best, he's still learning, he's still green as grass, but tagging with someone like Josh Briggs, who was massive in Evolve, if, if you used to watch Evolve, you'd have thought he'd have picked something up, but here he just he just struggles with it. And it, it's sad to see, because the titles actually mean something. A lot of the tag titles in WWE and around other companies today don't mean much. I couldn't even tell you who the NXT Tag Team Champions are. But the NXT UK Tag Team Championships always meant a lot. They never hot-potatoed from team to team. They they were never won one week, lost the next, or lost two weeks later. There was always a long reign involved. The only short reign was Smith and Carter, and that was cut due to injury. But I'm not sure, looking at this match, I haven't seen their match against Pretty Deadly, but I'm not sure Brooks and Jensen are NXT UK tag team champion material. They look great in the Fatal 4-Way a few weeks back when they won it. But here, when all their flaws were on show because they didn't have three other teams to tag in and out and cover them and they couldn't just get in and do the basics. Not all that impressive. Josh Briggs looks like the star of this team, undoubtedly. He catches Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews slips out the back, drop kick, and then Josh Briggs hits a suplex into Jensen's power slam, which is lovely. 
challengers are always and quite rightly fighting from underneath but a lot of this is the champions just wearing them down with rest holds when they have the size advantage to do more yeah i would have expected andrews and Bohr to be full of the rest holds wear the big men down cut the oxygen off tire them out but it's the other way around brooks and jensen could have just overpowered them you know there's logic here use it Briggs power slams Andrews into a stun dog on Jensen. Looks great. Now, Wild Boar goes to town on Briggs. Seated splash. Lovely sent on. And then it goes to shit, unfortunately. Because there's a moment here when Wild Boar and Brooks Jensen are just stood in the ring. And it looks like Wild Boar is going to go for a German. But they just sort of tussle from the side. It looks like somebody forgot something. And it looked really bad. No one seemed to know what they were doing. Really awkward. And then Mark Andrews saves it with an apron Pele kick to Jensen. Wild Ball with an assisted German and a frog splash for a near fall. Jensen with a huge lariat Wild Ball to counter a charge. And then Mark Andrews with another stun dog to Josh Briggs out of a stalling suplex. And then he uses Briggs for poetry in motion to Jensen on the apron but then misses the fall to pieces. And the champions hit Andrews with the clothesline chop block, you know, forward slash, high low, whatever you prefer to call it, for the victory. Oh, dear. Now, everyone filled a role here, but this should have been much better. Considering Briggs and Jensen have had the experience in NXT, that they've been on the indies, at least Briggs has had an extensive part on the indies in Evolve. And they've also been through the PC in Florida. There's no excuse for why this match wasn't one of the matches of the month or even one of the matches of the year. But it was awkward in part, fell off, disjointed, and the titles need to come off of the Americans. Not because I hate hate them. Um, I don't think they're tag team material, like I said. But it's spending way too much time now in America rather than in England. Unless you're going to fly these two out every month for tapings, then you've got the familiar there. You've got subculture there. Put Dave Mastiff with Josh Morrell. I nearly forgot his name then. Build something out of that. You know, while Jack Stars is out, but there's no reason the title should be on the Americans right now. It, It was nice. While it lasted, it was a a fluke, let's say, novelty. But time's up now, really, for me. So now we get footage of Tyler Bate from last week after the show. And he says that Trent Seven cannot run forever and that he's coming for him. And then he pushes the camera to the floor. I like this new Tyler Bate. No more zen, no more tree hugging, no more namaste. All rage, all revenge. And Bate versus Seven... The first match, which will be for the NXT United Kingdom Championship, is going to be a cracker. But I I firmly believe as good as that match will be, I think their last match, which has to be seven defeating bait for the title, will be possibly match of the decade. Huge call there, but I was right about Mustache Mountain breaking up. I was right two years ago. So I'm confident I will be 100% right about this. Now, we cut to a sort of a vignette of Mako Satomura and Saray in a press conference. 
And their NXT UK Women's Championship match will come up next week. We'll have that for you in September. This is all very much as you'd expect. There's respect here, all the I will beat you stuff. They both talk in Japanese and job done. Bing, bang, bosh. Next up, we get Amal versus Blair Davenport. And I'm sorry, I know they've done a fair job of building this up with the whole Davenport pissing on Amal on commentary during her matches and then Amal storming backstage in the PC to confront Blair. But there's no way this match ends well for either woman. Neither of them need or could stand the loss right now. And what are NXT UK thinking? This is main roster Vince McMahon booking. I'm sorry, but it absolutely is. So... We get a tussle for advantage to start. Amal arm drags, rolls her into the pin, pump kick, and then a seated drop kick, which looks very good. A good pace to begin with. Unfortunately, we'd lose that throughout. Blair Davenport with a nice Pele kick in the corner. The match goes outside where Amal misses a kick into the barricade. Her leg gets stuck over the top, and Davenport drags her back by the hair, hard onto the floor and onto her shoulder, which Amal begins to sell. Blair Davenport then, of course, works over the injured joint, counters a charge into the corner with a stomp and nails a Nova Roller. But Amal sells it really oddly. And this is where it begins to feel off. The commentary don't really know what to say. It's clearly some sort of botch where Amal was meant to go down, but she didn't. Davenport (laughs) laid there like a fish out of water. um, And they, they looked like they were making up what to do next. Davenport then missed a second rope stomp, played on the ankle, and Amal hit a nice facebuster bulldog for a near fall. Davenport with a quick kick to the head. Amal, German, face wash for a near fall, but Davenport counters the hope breaker into the schoolboy, cracks her in the face with a knee, and then nails the falcon arrow for the victory. This was not good at all. And both women are capable of much, much better. We've seen it in NXT UK. Now, I'd be okay with a second match so they can do better and possibly a, a, a third match just so Amal can get a win back and then Davenport wins the, the two out of three match stipulation. But honestly, back to the drawing board now with Amal. You fucked her over too many times and I don't see her coming back from this without a good six, seven months undefeated streak. And a massive build around her. You've jobbed her to Eliza Alexander for no reason whatsoever. You know, you, they didn't even use that to get Eliza Alexander over. So that was a wasted burial. And now, obviously, she's gone down to Blair Davenport. So Davenport can go on and challenge Satomura and win the title after all of this time. But that has to happen soon because you can feel the whole... NXT UK Women's Championship scene beginning to grow stale. And I know that'll upset a lot of NXT UK fans, but believe me, I'm, I'm a, I was there from day one, right back to the, the 2017 tournament. And I'm not shitting on NXT UK, but it, it's there for everyone to see. The women's division is now feeling stale with Maiko Satomura as champion. Next, we go to La Familia's dinner table where Oliver Carter invades while they are out and basically wrecks the joint. He says that Rohan Raja is next on his hit list. Credit where it's due here for at least keeping Carter in the spotlight. They could have easily just 
not bothered, jobbed him out, written him off TV, whatever. But they didn't. They're going for it. They're sticking with it. Ashton Smith is going to be out quite a while. So it'll be very interesting to see what Oliver Carter does when he's done with La Familia. Maybe he goes into the Heritage Cup scene. Him and Noam Dar could be a good few months feud. But right now, let's just wait and see. Now, Shah Samuels, glorious, glorious Shah Samuels, is outside the PC wanting peace and quiet and then someone comes in to cash another betting slip and he has to give him his shoes and his reaction is absolutely perfect he then ends up giving away all his clothes in a series of montages which the the best part of this was him just crying (laughs) in the fetal position on the stairs riotous fun this man is great and i hope they don't split him from noam dar and i hope he goes further than he he is now, because Shah Samuels, main event star, he's got the charisma, he's got the skill, but, you know, I, I don't think they're going to take him that far. Now now they've seen his comedy value, I think he's going to remain in a comedy role. And that's okay, I suppose. Not everyone can be the champion, not everyone can be the main event, but he does deserve a lot more. Next up, we get pictures in the style of postcards for NXT 2.0's Chase University stable, which is coming to NXT UK. Oh, hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. Just what we need, actually, isn't it? More clueless imports who'll never make it anywhere they go. But hey, let's be a breeding ground for mediocrity. And we finish the July the 28th NXT UK with the NXT UK Championship, Dragunov defending against Wolfgang. And this is Dragunov's final match as NXT UK Champion. The injury occurs during this match. It is visible. I will touch on it when we get there. But the biggest problem with this at the beginning, not by the end, I have to say. By the end, the, the whole outlook on this match it couldn't be more different than going in. Because going in, the problem is, is that you never believe that Wolfgang is a serious replacement for Dragunov as champion. So there's only one outcome when the bell rings. However, by the time we get to the end, Wolfgang could have easily been a believable NXT UK champion. Now, by having Mark Coffey defeat Noam Dar for the Heritage Cup, they did hope to make you believe another upset was on the cards. And they did a good job because... Again, you you believed what they were selling you by the end of this. Now, the match begins with Wolfgang using his power to force Dragunov into a corner. They struggle for power in lockups. They swap headlock takedowns. And Wolfgang is the first challenger. I think, I think, I think about Rampage Brown that Dragunov has struggled against power-wise. He just can't get any purchase. He's constantly overpowered and beaten down. Dragunov tries a deadlift on Wolfgang, but his back gives out, and then Wolfgang homes in. Jump kick from the Russian, knee in the corner, and this is where it happens. Wolfgang catches Dragunov in a back suplex sort of stance, carries him into the corner, and then just bundles him. Doesn't place him down. It's it's almost as if you imagine someone tripping, but carrying someone else. That They both go into the corner in that sort of trip stance. And Dragunov's leg goes down, but it sort of buckles under him. Uh, he screams in pain. You, you can see it doesn't look right throughout the match. And basically, leg fucked, rain, 
over. So technically, we can say that Wolfgang was the man to end Ilya Dragunov's reign. Even though he doesn't beat him for the title, he's technically the man that ended the reign. Now, Dragunov soldiers on, tries a matrix, but his back gives out, does a great job of selling that. Wolfgang merciless with the scent on splash. Ilya looks like he's actually struggling here, and he makes Wolfgang look like an absolute fucking monster. The champion hits the ropes, but his back gives out again. Wolfgang has a busted nose, and then he goes to Irish whips, which punish the back. Reverse bear hug, dragging off his back with chops to the chest and to the legs, and then Wolfgang avoids the Inziguri, but he's caught with a second on the rebound, and Dragunov hits a lovely knee into the corner. Ankle buckles, he screams in pain again, and if you look closely at that point, you can see there's sort of a dark mark appearing on his calf and around his ankle. Now, Dragunov with downward strikes, sent on, credit for soldiering on as well, clearly in pain. Close lines, but he's moving really gingerly, almost like he's limping across the ring. Wolfgang, torture rack, backbreaker onto the knee, looked fantastic for a near fall. Dragunov rolled through a suplex, hit a lovely downward strike, top rope sent on splash, and then again selling the back beautifully. Wolfgang counters the torpedo Moscow with an elbow, Kaber toss for a two and nine tenths, that's how close Wolfgang came, and the crowd at this point are... They are behind the Scott. They want Wolfgang to take the title. They believe he's going to do it. And credit to both men for making them believe that. Because 15 minutes ago, no one at all believed that Wolfgang was a credible challenger. No one believes he'd walk away with the title. But as the ref's hand comes down for the three and Dragunov barely kicks out, it's literally a cunt hair. That, that's how close it is then people start to sit up and think, oh, hang on a minute, we, we could have a new champion here. Now, the pair fight on top, Dragunov goes down, but Wolfgang flips in, Dragunov catches him with a running knee, and then a lovely deadlift brainbuster and Torpedo Moscow for the win. Really, really good match. And th- not just a match, okay? This wasn't just a wrestling match. This looked like an absolute fight. I would expect to see this outside a pub in Glasgow on a Friday night or a Saturday night or Sunday night or Monday to Thursday. It's Scotland. But, you know, knowing his ankle is fucked now, and people are going to probably come at me for this, but I'd I'd have called it on the spot and I'd have given it to Wolfgang to facilitate the Gallus War. I'd have put the title on Wolfgang, even if it was just a three or four months thing, to facilitate the breakup of Gallus, i.e. Wolfgang, the NXT UK champion, Mark Coffey, the NXT UK heritage champion, and Joe Coffey, who's been trying and trying for years, absolutely nothing. And then, obviously, Joe Coffey turns on the two, and we get we basically get a triple threat Gallus war. That would be brilliant. But, you know, that was the right move here, in hindsight, knowing that the title had to come off Dragunov anyway. Because Tyler Bate and Trent Seven, they don't need the title for their storyline. They've got everything they need. The Gallus split needs a title. Uh, at the end, Dragunov pulls at Wolfgang and shakes his hand. 
Unfortunately for this episode of NXT UK, only one of the three so-called big matches really delivered. But it was more than a worthy swan song for Ilya Dragunov as champion. Since he beat Walter, he's been making everything look like an actual fight, a scrap. And it's only fitting that his last match as champion goes the same way. But arguably... This, for me, is his best title defence since Walter. Since he won it from Walter, I should say. So, check out the main event. Um, if you're a fan of Mark Andrews, Wild Boar, or Brooks and Jensen, then check out the, the tag team match that kicked off the show. But you can largely leave the women's match alone. It's just not up to scratch. And that is the end, my friends. I have talked to you for long enough and you have been gracious enough to sit and listen to me once again but worry not we have got literally three four weeks now until travis returns next week join me as i'm back on the in your house trail with in your house 25 and i know for those that listened to last week's episode in your house 24 we're expecting in your house 25 this week but i've been away i did not have time to edit this before it should have gone up at the beginning of the month. So I had to switch episodes around. And most of the In Your House episodes up to 24 were recorded in advance because of my work and live schedule. So I wanted to get all them done so you had a regular episode each week. But next week, In Your House 25, and then Travis will be back the week after. And his return show, we will be reviewing the Coliseum video of WWF's Greatest Matches. From I think it's 1990. After all this in your house stuff, we're going we're going back to our roots. We're going really retro, back to the golden days of professional wrestling. But before I leave you tonight, you know how this works. You you can find me on Twitter at Bruisermate. You can find the show on Twitter at Union Smack, where you'll find our link tree in our bio for all the links to everywhere you can find us around the podcasting world. Hop over to unionsmack.bigcartel.com for all your Habiki TMD merchandise needs. And of course, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash Rocky Buyer, where you can celebrate five years of the Union Smack podcast by purchasing our new logo shirt and our Union Smack Revisited shirt. Thank you to those who have bought it so far. Much, much appreciated. And of course, when you've got some spare cash left, some change rattling around in your pocket, you can go to lulu.com where you'll find copies of my books, The Undertaker, A Trip Down Death Valley, and NXT UK Year One. And if you struggle with any of that, or all of it, I don't know, some people might not be uh, techno- technologically savvy. I can't even say the word, so there's no room for me to talk. But if you struggle with all that, if you can't find any links, then hop over to unionsmack.podbean.com. And if you're on PC, all the links will appear at the very top of our podcasting page. So just click on one. It'll take you to where you need to go. And job done for you. So thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining me this week for another four weeks of NXT UK. Like I said, I'll be back next week within your house 25. But until then, be good, be safe, look after yourselves. Cheerio, mates.